politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow scorned American patriots, the Conservative Review podcast. You might not be a rioter or a looter or an illegal alien, but you mean something to us. You are the American people. We still hold these truths to be self-evident. Even if our political class doesn't care, even if the phony Republican Party doesn't care. Lots to talk about. We had a special guest yesterday. I hope you enjoyed the show. We have a lot of territory to cover between today and tomorrow. I'll be out Friday taking a holiday off in honor of Independence Day. It's going to be a very solemn Independence Day. But we need to resolve to change things. And like I keep saying, if you think for a minute that this is all about simply voting GOP and all about November when we're getting crushed now, you're not paying attention. I don't know where I start from. Do I start with the news about the motorist lynchings? The lack of a right to self-defense? Do I talk about all the lies with the virus that come full circle back into the border and back into the rioting? How it's the rioting and the border that caused a resurgence in the virus, which is not even bad. Yet we the people have to suffer for the mendacity of their their actions. Or do we talk about the craziness of the courts? Do we talk about the president? You know, I'm just reading now, Trump regrets Kushner advice, according to Axios. Now, you know, these are their behind-the-scenes anonymous sources, but I could totally believe this, where the president was... was pissed off about this basically how the president um, wound up getting involved in all this garbage with jailbreak and everything and what's funny is basically they paint the picture of how Trump never really signed on to criminal justice reform do you know how many people have ostracized me for being against the president Because I opposed the jailbreak bill, and I was like, you idiot, that is the president's position. You're supporting the Kushner position. But nonetheless, at this point, it's semantics. If the president really is sorry and really regrets it, he would demonstrate that through his actions by simply sidelining him. It's his own damn son-in-law. Tell him to spend more time with the grandkids. So that one's really easy. Joe Biden came out with um, a statement yesterday and said, Fauci is so great, if he's elected, he'll immediately reach out to him and have him continue his incredible service to the country. I keep saying, like, all the people running the country now are literally indistinguishable from who you would have in a Biden administration. Mnuchin on fiscal policy is doing everything you would see in a a Democrat administration. Chad Wolf, a visa lobbyist, is everything you're seeing with immigration. Fauci is running the fascism. Kushner is running the rioting. What difference does it make? But the best thing we could have now is for you guys to be armed with knowledge and information. And I'm going to keep providing that as we grope in the dark 
and pray for guidance for where to go forward. Now, I, I do think a lot of the path forward is going to be through self-defense. And I think we really need a resurgence of paying attention to the gun ownership, the gun sales, pushing the Second Amendment, pushing self-defense. I think we need to start citizen Minutemen security groups, whatever you want to call them, because again, this is not this whole business of oh, let's start a a heritage, a new heritage foundation. Let's start it. That ship has sailed. What is going on is so much greater than that. It's the rioters. It's the people who engage in violence who get get attention. Now, since obviously we don't go and maim, loot, steal, and harm innocent people, we're not going to sit and do that. So therefore, we're not going to get the attention that way. But the best we can do is say, look, if you're not going to defend us as people, if you're not going to defend us, then we have the right to self-defense. I'll tell you something very disturbing that I'm seeing. So we've been following this trend of motorist lynchings, which I think is just so important to understanding how much this country has collapsed into a failed state. And you're seeing a scenario play out where either the driver gets hurt, killed, beaten, shot at, or if he got through, you know, stood up for himself, either floored the gas pedal or brandishes a gun, he gets punished. So we see two sides of a coin in in, um, Provo, Utah. Provo, Utah, heart of Mormon country. I mean, this has spread to a place like Provo, Utah. A guy was blocked. He tried to very gingerly move forward. They got very violent. Eventually, he was able to just just break away. As he was driving away, someone pulled out a gun and shot at him, and he was shot one time. He's going to survive, but he was shot. And everyone's like, so someone messaged me on Twitter, Daniel, why are you saying there's a breakdown law and order? They arrested the guy who did it. Yeah, but what about the 50 other people who joined with him? Yeah, it took... We're still at the point that if you take out a gun and shoot the guy, then yeah, well, the police will look at it and go after you. But how is it that in Republican states, with Republicans in charge as Attorney General, as Governor, State Legislator, where they are able to go and block roads with impunity? How does that happen? There's clearly no deterrent. Don't tell me, oh, they can't be in all places at all the time. They don't have enough resources. No. If there would be proper deterrent, they wouldn't do it. So you'd say, that leaves us. And I understand it. I understand. I agree with cops saying, screw it. Why should we get involved in trying to clear a street when it will lead to violence, we're going to have to defend ourselves, and we'll wind up in jail, not them? I get it. But here's what's starting to piss me off. Somehow, when people are left to deal with the mob alone, and they try to deal with it, then they suddenly, there's a resurrection of authority, and the police come after that guy, and suddenly they 
find their moxie and arrest the guy who defended himself. And this happened in Gainesville, Florida. I passed it on to the governor's office. I was like, hey, are you aware of this? He was arrested. A guy goes through. He didn't really, no one was harmed. He ran away. He tried to find the cops right away. He was arrested. They were throwing bottles at him. I mean, like, it's not even like, there's one thing if they're illegally blocking a road and they kind of have these like queer, weird literature they want to hand out. So like, all right, you roll down your window and take their thing and indulge them and then go on your way. I mean, these people rip you apart. You cannot do that. It's like, you will take your beating and you will enjoy it. This is the message that I think we need to work on with local officials that you know, especially if you're in a red area. And you got to make it very clear. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. If you are going to be hands-off with the criminals, you sure as hell better be hands-off when we are left to deal with the criminals alone when it comes to clamping down on self-defense. Don't be these brave cowards where suddenly you find your bravery when it comes to going after we the people so that's one thing i just wanted to share with you you could look it up a gainesville man arrested and this is happening everywhere i mean this is literally like the middle east remember when those israeli soldiers and one of the famous pictures of 2000 i think it was 2000 um during that intifada where they had people, um, these these terrorists were sh- holding up their hands with blood on it. Uh, the two Israeli soldiers lost their way and got it into an Arab village and they were lynched. So Israel invented Waze. A lot of people don't know the Waze app that a lot of people use on the roads, W-A-Z-E. It was actually originally created by Israeli tech people because of that. So people would have just a better awareness of where they were to avoid certain... Um, Arab villages in Judea and Samaria, wherever they were traveling. That's what's become of America. It's like, we need an app now to tell us where you have rioting so we can know how to avoid it. This can happen to anyone. I mean, this is no longer like, hey, yeah, I'm going to avoid certain areas downtown. This is happening everywhere. It's happening on interstate roads. But I wanted to take this step further to show how this is coming full circle. Full circle. Not only has it become clear that these rioters caused the spread of the virus, the timing is perfect, the age cohorts are perfect, but it is now clear that we are being forced to take it on the chin. They announced in Minnesota any business that opens so you could burn down a business, you could loot a business, you could help yourself to indoor dining for free and grab a meal there and you won't be prosecuted. But if you're a business owner who tries to serve people who want to pay, well, you're going to be arrested. I am not, I mean, there is no hyperbole in what I'm saying. <laughs> this is literally what is going on. The Babylon Bee and, and, and the Onion have now become reality. This is happening every single day in every single state. We have Republicans in charge in so many states. Like, there's one thing if we had a microcosm, like red states, we had law and order, we didn't have corona fascism, 
or like, hey, let's go there. But no, we don't see that contrast almost everywhere. But anyway, there is now mounting evidence that the rioters have caused this. This is from the Cleveland's main paper, cleveland.com. Spiking Cleveland coronavirus cases rooted in days immediately after May 30 protest and rise in social activity. Okay, it's clear. Newsweek, Houston protesters begin to fall ill with coronavirus after marching for George Floyd. If you remember, that's where the main funeral was. I mean, there were 50 funerals, but that's that's where the main one took place. And people are wondering. And, and by the way, what it seems like happened is this. Let me give you an analogy for what happened with the virus and kind of segue this into the discussion of the current state of play with the virus, what we're seeing, what's happening, the illusory superficial spike that is is being, you know, that people don't understand and the government is manipulating data and then how this again ties back into the border. The two biggest factors driving what's going on, which as you're going to see is not really a problem. It actually demonstrates what we thought all along. We have a massive spike in cases. We have a spike in cases. And at the same time, we have very few deaths. We are basically at a point where the virus now, in other words, let's say before, it was maybe twice as bad as a flu. Not Armageddon, but twice as bad as a flu. Now, it is less than a flu. There's mounting evidence that it has weakened, and we're going to show that. But nonetheless, the media thinks this is Armageddon. Yet, even Republican governors Doug Duncey and Greg, well, something that rhymes with Abbott, refuse to even hold the line on what the media is reporting. The media isn't even reporting that the protesters did this. The media is reporting. CNN had an article out yesterday how people coming over the border with coronavirus. This is not a right-wing blog or something. CNN. Greg Abbott can't even hold the line and assert the messaging that's open source in the mainstream media. So that's what's with that. But those are the two things they won't talk about. And that demonstrates one, once and for all how we are strangers in our own country. Rioters, criminal Americans, or illegal aliens, or people crossing a border could induce a virus, and then we get blamed for it. We must be shut down. And they'll, they'll enforce the edicts that are unconstitutional against us, but they won't enforce them against them because we are living in a reverse Jim Crow. You know, just yesterday, let me bring this full, full circle. Uh, Jessica Vaughn tweeted this out from Fort Wayne. There was an illegal alien who had previous battery convictions, but he had DACA status. Pursuant to law, he needs to be deported even if he didn't have the criminal conviction. But even if Obama's lawlessness is the law, which the courts are now saying it is, well, you know, they're not eligible for the status and they get it revoked if they have a criminal record. He was a convicted felon. He was arrested for rioting. So now we have illegals in the country joining in the rioting. They're arrested. And he prevented ICE from deporting him. Why? I guess because he had a double code of protection. 
under the Jim Crow Nazi pyramid of racialism rather than equal protection under the law as we were guaranteed in our founding document we celebrate this week. He was an illegal alien and he was protesting for the sacred blood libels matter. Now he violated the terms of his stay by cutting off his ankle bracelet. So he has another court case on July 5th or something. I'm sure they'll let him go again. ICE has been abolished by the courts. Do you see how we are strangers in our own land? And by the way, I'm going to have an article out today. Another Trump-appointed judge, Timothy Kelly, from the all-important D.C. federal district. That's the most important district. That's where most of the major political cases come through. Trump appointee. He ruled that Trump can't merely require asylum seekers, bogus asylum seekers, to seek asylum in the first available country, which would indicate if you really are, if this is not about milking America, if this is really about just being, you know, fleeing where you're coming from, you would go to the first place. These were bilateral, multilateral agreements worked out with four countries, foreign policy. Courts have no jurisdiction over it. I have a whole article on this. You could see out today a conservative review. And yet a Republican appointed judge, not only won't they roll back the bad things that the left has already done when they get put on the courts, they'll create new phantom rights for illegal, for foreign nationals, like potential future asylees to get standing in court. And by the way, there was a similar lawsuit, exact same lawsuit in California. Judge Teeger did what this judge did and the Supreme Court actually put a stay on it. But nonetheless, a Republican Trump appointed judge is now blocking a policy. Not that he has the power to block it, only Trump willing to go along with it, but blocking a policy that the Supreme Court last November or October already stayed a similar injunction. He was like, this guy was like, well, that was at the preliminary level. I'm giving final judgment. Like, I mean, it's unbelievable. This is the fraud of the Republican Party. By the way, this Trump appointed judge, Tim Kelly, do you guess what? This guy is the same judge who in November 2018 ruled that Jim Acosta has a fundamental right to a press badge. And to this day, Trump has him back in the White House. You could get standing for a right to access the White House. You get standing as one of 7.8 billion people in the world to access our border. But we Americans don't have standing for self-defense, for the breakdown of rule of law, for the arbitrary and capricious edicts that violate life, liberty, and property. Do you know what's interesting? One of the big effects of this bogus asylum wave, if you remember all of our reporting in 2018, 2019, was that they were flooding the border hospitals, as they are now, by the way, with coronavirus. But back then, they were flooding it for um, the flu, uh, chickenpox, mumps was a big one, TB, um, scabies, a dengue fever, a couple other things. Um that you have that's endemic to some of these areas. And then just for just, you know, heart surgeries, they, they, it, was, it was free. I mean, you could come for anything and we'll give it to them. So we are told by these very bastards on the, on, on the bench, bastards on the bench, that we the people 
don't have standing to litigate against unconstitutional edicts violating life, liberty, and property because they're veiled under the guise of public health. Mind you, you could riot in the thousands, and that's okay. But Trump can't merely close the border from people who have no right to come here. And we downright have bilateral agreements with other countries to route them through Mexico. So if you're from Guatemala, you have to go to Mexico. If you're in Honduras, you have to go to Guatemala. Trump worked that out last um, last July. Suddenly, the public health safety concern doesn't matter when it comes to the so-called rights of illegal aliens. But it matters when it comes to us. But it doesn't matter again when it comes to Americans who are rioting. Don't you see a pattern if you juxtapose all of these issues I've, I've brought to you today? Don't you see a pattern there? It's actually perfectly consistent if you think about it. There is a Nazi racialist pyramid of identity and favored protected classes at the expense of consistent, foundational, unalienable life, liberty, property rights for everyone. If Dr. King would be around today, he'd be sick to his stomach. This is not what he dreamt of. But anyway, let's get back to some of the just science and data behind what's going on. What you see happening today is, let me give you an analogy. <clears throat> you have a, a, a wet rag, has a lot of water in it. So just even a little bit of pressure will, you know, you, the, that first burst, you'll have gushing water. And then it will diminish over time you'll have less water come out of it over time. And then eventually, it, not much will really come out anymore unless you reassert a stronger degree of pressure against it. You, know, you kind of like re-squeeze it and then more could come out. And then eventually, eventually, no matter what you do, nothing comes out. If you want to understand herd immunity... And a virus, you know, how quickly it transmits, it gets everyone, then it gets a few people, and eventually it's extinct. So being extinct is the equivalent of the final stage. Like no matter how much you squeeze a a rag, it's bone dry. So that obviously, you know, as we said, takes a long time. You know, no one's talking about it, it being fully extinct. We're talking about de facto herd immunity that based on the natural course of of people's actions the virus has already gotten most of the vulnerable people the remaining people seem to have partial cross immunity from other coronaviruses the t-cells and um or you know there are uh, remaining people who might not but they're fewer and far between that you know at this rate of transmission it doesn't have a lot you know like picture a fire you're building a campfire um the more wood you have if you have a lot of wood it will burn through it but if you have a little it's it might be around, but it's not going to spread very much. So that's kind of where we are in the country in varying stages and in, depending on the place. So what happened was we reached the stage in this country in March. I'm sorry, in May. That was what you're seeing in Europe and everywhere in the world where it kind of burns out. Now, it doesn't burn out in the sense that it's eradicated. You don't have 70% who had it, or even like the 40% that Johnny Anitas is saying with the cross immunity 
but you, you might have 10 to 15% in a given place. But that's kind of your reg that you're squeezing that there's not much coming out. You might have a trickle a little bit here and there. But it's not like there's nothing left that if you would go and re-squeeze it and apply an unnatural new pressure, that you're not going to get more. Hence, when you had the rioting after Memorial Day, which is exactly the timing of the growth in cases, that's not, dude, I mean, even people like me, I, I've come before you and said numerous times, I'm not saying to do nothing. Don't give me straw man arguments. I'm saying stop this arbitrary shutdown and lockdown. But we always said, you know, avoiding the mass spreading, the super spreading events is where you're going to get 95% of the value add uh, to the extent human mitigation works. So we had, we went from that to the most ubiquitous, widespread mass gatherings we've ever had in our country. And again, even if there's no outdoor transmission, but it is impossible that that didn't engender second and third order effects of, of indoor you know, pu- public transportation, indoor meetings, and whatever, get, get-togethers. There's no, there's no way all that degree of mobility did not do that. This is not like individual families organically going to the beach. And by the way, Miami-Dade County government is closing the beaches for July 4th while you can have people packed into urban areas, not like a beach, but like urban, urban areas in the thousands. Again, that is the illegitimate government we have today that it's time we fight back against. But I digress. So anyway, that's why you saw it. So it's not that we had a herd immunity or even like the de facto herd immunity in, mo- in, 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 in most of the country. But it got to like 10, 15 percent. I mean, we see even in North Carolina, they now have out that they, they reached 70 percent seroprevalence, which, by the way, means if if a state is lightly affected as North Carolina, 17 percent, the infection fatality rate is like less than 0.1. It's less than the flu, but whatever. Anyway. But what it does do is that it kind of like burnt through the people who are vulnerable and it's not like everyone else is is immune, but there's enough who are that it's not going to spread quickly enough anymore unless you re-squeeze the rag. You apply an unnatural pressure. Now, if you take a rag and you um, squeeze it out you know, reasonably and it kind of like empties out and then you get a machine to squeeze the hell out of that thing, you're going to get more juice out of it. Now, again as you're going to see, it's it's mild. I'm not the one panicking over it. The media is the one panicking over it. They're just cases of more or less the flu at worst, uh, the cold at worst, the flu. We're not seeing an increase in deaths. But the media is panicking. They caused it. The media caused it. The very politicians that locked down you and me caused this. And now they're locking us down again because they continue to allow these people to run around. I mean, de Blasio, they used to call me a flat earther for saying there's no outdoor transmission. De Blasio just said today, you know what? There's no outdoor transmission. In order to sanitize what 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 his uh, protected rioters are doing. But again, like I said, there's a difference between people individually going to a beach versus out of control, ubiquitous protests in a place like Manhattan where they're packed in there and they're going inside too. So that's what's going on with that. 
Now, obviously, in New York, New York is where we had the full squeezing out of the um, out of the towel. So New York has enough herd immunity that it could withstand the shock to the system like rioting. That's why you're not seeing a resurgence. But in every other place, and, and folks, it's not just the South anymore. It's if you look, if at least on a superficial level, if you're into this like spike in cases, if you think that's a meaningful metric, it's pretty much everywhere outside the Northeast now. It's Ohio, it's Illinois, um, red state, blue state. It's any place that didn't get hit hard, which which makes sense. The Northeast has de facto herd immunity. Probably 30 to 40% prevalence, I would say. If you add the antibodies plus the cross immunity of people that already had coronaviruses or people that maybe got the virus asymptomatically, didn't produce or present antibodies, but presented T-cells. Um, the problem is, it's my understanding is it's very tedious to study that. You could study in a lab it, it costs a lot of money, but there's no like clinically available test where you could say, hey, am I one of these guys that doesn't have antibodies, but I worded, I had the virus, but I worded it off with T cells. They're able to research that, but not at a clinical level. Um, that's what I've heard from, from people I've spoken to that know this. So it, it's very hard to tell, but that's what's pretty clear. That, that is the truth. That is why you are seeing this spike. Okay, it's a mild spike. The serious spike, again, is from the border. There's numerous articles on that, open source now. So that's why you have more deaths in ICUs in the counties. By the way, like we're at the point, just so you know how prominent the, um, the border counties are and factor into this, just how shocking it is. If you look at all the border counties, I believe if you just add Yuma an imperial county. They have more cases than roughly... Tw- this guy, Ian Miller, you can follow him on Twitter, he put this out, roughly 20 to 25 states. In other words, these two counties put together have more cases than entire states, like half of them. Entire states. And, and these are not... Imperial and Yuma are tiny, population-wise. I mean, they're kind of big geographically, but population-wise, they're tiny. It's not like you say, oh, L.A. County or, you know, Houston, Harris County has more cases than a number of states. No, no, no. These are tiny rural areas. That's how prominent the cross-border migration played in this. Sickening. This is biblical. I could not have written a script for this show. And I'm, I'm underselling what has happened. Man, just getting thirsty here. <clears throat> By the way, my wife, it was really sweet of her. Um, I found in my home office this morning a tiny little fridge plugged in and a note from her. A belated birthday present. My birthday is in April, but that's when she gave birth. We had the baby and things were so chaotic and everything was closed. And she she's like, I never got you a birthday present. Um, so she got me. Uh, um, she knows I like cold drinks. I hate when they get become warm. So she got me a refrigerator stacked with drinks. It was just uh, just unbelievable. So uh, <laughs> I got my, my cold drinks here when I lose my voice from yelping and screaming on the phone and radio all day. But anyway, so that's the cause of what's going on. There are two clear waves. There's the general interior of the country is a milder 
wave. By the way, it wouldn't surprise me if it's become more transmissible, if it's actually more contagious than it even was. But again, that's a good thing. It Usually, they work together. The less lethal it is, the um, more transmissible it is, hence the common cold. I mean, everyone gets it. Um, but the serious cases were the first wave, not the mutation or, or the weakening, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if it's a mutation. We still don't know yet. But the first wave from Mexico in May, that is you could take it to the bank. That is what's going on. Now, let me give you a sense of, so what is it? What is the nature of what is going on? So let let, let me first just say, before we get into the fact that even the people who have it and even the spreading is very mild, a lot of this is illusory and superficial. the, The testing really does play a role. And let me give you a sense of just how much the testing plays a role. It's going to knock your socks off. These statistics, thank you to the guy Wyatt on Twitter. Um, <clears throat> I actually know who he is personally. Uh, I don't want to out his name. I don't think he wants to be public yet, but I actually spoke with him on the phone. Terrific guy. He's a firearms instructor too. We, we had a great conversation yesterday, which is why I'm, I'm a little bit behind on my work. We, we, we spoke for like three hours on the phone. But he put together great data, and I used it in this piece. Um, you look at, there, there is a jarring detail, a jarring data point that everyone's missing. According to CDC, Hispanics now compose 34.4% of cases in the country. And right away, like, that should give you pause. Like, that makes no sense. Just, just, w- w- I mean, if you're trying to... um study the origins the the culprit and the just the nature of what's going on that that should give you pause like hey that tells us something that that's a real anomaly i mean that's that's twice their share of the population something doesn't make sense but let me take this a step further it's not just the the magnitude but the trend line i looked back at the CDC surveillance data. So you could Google weekly COVID surveillance data. And every Friday, they put out data from that week. So I went back to the earliest week they had, April 25th, kind of right when we were coming off the peak. They accounted for just 12.2% of cases. So over the course of two months, they tripled their share of the cases. So again, that's very unnatural. Like you want to tell me Hispanics are more vulnerable, um, some suggest that has to do with vitamin D and spig, pig, uh, uh, skin pigmentation. So African-Americans are also more um, vulnerable as well. So first of all, it's, I mean, it's mainly more in terms of the severity. They're more vulnerable to get a serious case and, and die from it. Um, it's also, you know, just um, there, there's just a higher rate of obesity and, and uh, diabetes and some other things. But it shouldn't really account for for more cases. But even if it does, why that that, that would be if, if it's a genetic, racial, scientific scientific factor, that should be pretty static. I mean, why is there a sudden surge? That tells you it's unnatural. Now, some of you might think, oh, that's the border. But what I'm telling you is I don't think this is the border. I mean, that's at the border. That's Yuma County, which like 100% of the cases are Hispanic. I don't think that's what it is. What it is is a function of testing. We're test bombing every agricultural site and it's just a function of 
the meatpacking plants, the labor camps, the slave labor camps, they're horrible conditions. They're also very transient. They move around and then go in horrible conditions. So they just spread it to each other and they're all Hispanic or mainly Hispanic. So that just accounts for why there's so many cases among Hispanics. That was always going on. We just weren't testing it. That's how foolish and illusory mass testing is when we didn't have it at the peak and we have it now that you can't measure an increase in a spike. It's a joke. It's a joke. Let me read this off to you. Let me read this off to you. Florida, 46% of all cases are Hispanic. North Carolina, 46%. That's five times their share of of the population. Tennessee, they're only like 5% of the population, 35% of cases. Arkansas, 24% of cases, more than three times their share. I can go on and on. Yet, what's bizarre is, at the same time they account for 34.4% of cases nationwide, they they account for just 17.7% of deaths, which is more or less in line with their census of the, you know, their share of the population. North Carolina, it's very, very evident. 46% of all cases, just 9% of deaths. What gives? Exactly what I'm telling you. The timing, they're getting the second wave. We're, we're accounting for it now because of mass testing of agricultural sites. But they're all mild. So that's good news. Nobody's dying. It's true of, it's not just true of Hispanics, it's true of everyone, but this is where you see it very evident in the data. We talked about last week the Arkansas Tyson Foods plants. 95% of them were asymptomatic. Very high rate of positivity, but like there were like no hospitalizations recorded, and most were downright asymptomatic. 95%. One, one plant, it was like 223 out of 227 who tested positive. That's what's going on now. We are shutting down the country for what is essentially the flu. Scrap that. For most people, it's less than the flu. So that's what we're seeing. Let me go further. Let's take this to the hospitalization level. So now we're testing everyone. You know, my wife had the baby April 11th. I was not tested, nor was she tested. Now, everyone would be tested. So think about this. It's precisely in states like Florida, the South, where they had had little COVID, but the panic porn chased everyone away, plus they banned elective surgeries. So nobody was in the hospital for anything. Plus, we didn't have testing to identify it anyway, except for the serious people. Now, everyone gets tested and everyone's back in. In fact, we have more people in the hospital than ever before. Because they're, they're, it's the baseline regular people plus making up for all the things you didn't have. So, for example, how many hip replacements and knee replacements did you have in the hospital in April? Zero. How many do you have now? I don't know, 130% probably, right? Because it's the general amount plus the makeup from two months. Anywhere we see 10 to 15% of the people potentially have COVID. And that's not a problem. You don't even know it. You go in the hospital, you're tested. That is a COVID hospitalization. Let me give you the absurdity. We now have COVID for car crashes. 
So car crashes plummeted by as much as 75% in California, many other states. I don't have the Florida data here, but, you know, you can imagine. I mean, car traffic was down like 90%. So a big part of the ERs are trauma patients from car crashes. That was out. Now they're back to normal levels, right? This is the New York Times reporting this. Miami's largest hospital. Miami's largest public hospital over the past two weeks, one-third of all car crash ER patients have tested positive for COVID. Okay? It's a joke! This is like George Floyd dying of COVID, right? It's the equivalent on a hospitalization level. A car crash victim, that's a, that, that's a COVID hospitalization. It shows they're now using its ubiquitous nature and very, very low death rate. And now even mild symptoms or asymptomatic against us. Oh my gosh, there's all this COVID. Like, exactly. So are we going to shut down the country when 80 million people a year, a season, get a cold? Are you freaking kidding me? I'm not saying it was a cold before. It certainly wasn't anything like they made it out to be. But now, the, the, the way the virus is now, that's what it is. Those are just car victims. Extrapolate that to all the heart, cancer, stroke, diabetes treatment, whatever, all the things that people had where they weren't coming into hospitals with. So that, 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 that's that factor. All the people that aren't even coming in for that. But what about the people that are coming in for COVID? Think about it, folks. I want you guys to think about this. Let's say you didn't listen to this show and you didn't have your own independent sources and you didn't know the truth. COVID is very scary. After all, we shut down the world over it. Let's say you test positive now. And not only do you test positive, but you have some symptoms. You have a cough. You have a runny nose. And maybe even you have some fever. Now, when was the last time you ever thought, I need to go to the hospital for that. Never. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you throughout your lifetime have had pretty doozy cold uh, flus where you're very symptomatic. I mean, you got the muscle aches, you got the <clears throat> 102, even 103, 104 fever for a couple of days, lingering fever for seven to 10 days. That's pretty bad. Never thought to go to the hospital unless you had a certain, you know, fragile state of a fragile health condition. But now, I can't blame people. I mean, before all these people like, oh, I had a cold. Okay, whatever. But now they all test positive. Holy hell, I have it. I got symptoms. But what sort of symptoms do you have? Alex Berenson, New York Times, former New York Times reporter, did great reporting. He put out on Twitter an email he got from someone. Now, normally, you know, you don't rely on off-the-record sources, but this guy went on the record. He's a managing partner and chief counsel of Complete Care. It operates 13 emergency care clinics in Texas. So what's going on in Texas? Now, remember, where this spread came from, we now have it from Newsweek, Houston. Why is Houston so bad? The funerals, the riots, the protests, that's where it came from. But... What is it? It's not bad. Here's what the guy said. They conducted uh, over 2,200 tests in his clinics in June. The positivity rate is 20%, very high. 
but the vast majority of cases are, quote, mild to very mild symptoms. He said most are in their 30s. <clears throat> most would have never met the criteria for test for getting a test when testing kits were very scarce and being rationed. Quote, vast majority of the patients are better within two to three days of the visit, and most would be described as having a cold, a mild one at that, or symptoms related to allergies. So not even the flu. Not even the flu. That's what they're coming in with. Robert Hancock of Texas College of Emergency Physicians said, we just saw a rash of people that came in for relatively treatable conditions that had just waited to the point that, that it deteriorated. That's kind of added to the ICU stress. So you're seeing the ICUs now lockdown victims, not COVID patients, lockdown victims. The people that have heart and cancer and everything that deteriorated. And now they're taken to the ICU because of the damn lockdown, that we're now using these metrics that are measuring the lockdown damage to induce another lockdown because of COVID. When it's not COVID, it's the lockdown. They happen to test positive for COVID. You have people who died because of COVID. You have people who died with COVID. You have people going to the ICU because of COVID. You have people going to the ICU with COVID. You have people being hospitalized in a regular bed with COVID because of COVID. But increasingly, it's with, not because. And if it's because, it's incidental. And it's just panic. I mean, think about it. Even after you listen to the show, I can't blame you. Be honest. If you tested positive and you had a cough, no signs of pneumonia and not being able to breathe, but you know, then you get 99.5 fever. Now it's 101 fever. Wouldn't you be pretty scared? I couldn't blame you. But that, but be honest about it. That's what we're seeing. That's very different from people coming in with, oh my gosh, I can't breathe. My lungs are collapsing. Like what you had in New York in late March. That has not really replicated itself in large numbers anywhere and almost anywhere now. That is the truth of the matter. Yet, where are the serious cases coming from? The only serious cases are coming from the border. Let me read you, and I'm losing my voice here. KG, what is this? This is San Diego's local um, ABC affiliate, KGTV. Chula Vista hospitals call for federal help over surge in COVID cases. Two South Bay hospitals with a surge in COVID-19 patients are concerned about whether cases in Mexico are playing a factor. Okay? The leaders of Scripps Health and Sharp Healthcare are reporting that their Chula Vista hospitals are currently caring for more COVID-19 positive patients and they're at acute care hospitals combined. And they basically note they were seeing an uptick in the number of U.S. citizens that are coming across the border. And when they arrive here, they've been in pretty bad shape. Critical cases. This this was already late April. Not even May, late April. This was starting to happen. Again, there's Mexico's first serious round that's taking place at the border. And there's generally in America 
So if you think about it, we have a couple of serious cases still at the border from open borders. And then we have a bunch of mild cases everywhere from young people in their 20s because of the riots. This is how the anarchy and the tyranny come full circle. These bastards shut us down for a lie. They lied about the severity, the nature of this virus at every stage. You know, they're now pushing a mass cult. The Surgeon General, who's a leftist who is promoting blood libels matter too. You better wear a mask. And on February 29th, he ridiculed people. He actually put out on Twitter, people, stop buying masks. It doesn't work. Liars. They shut us down. They shut down our lives. They took away our liberty. Then they allowed anarchy to fester. Not just in terms of the severity of the looting and the killing and the maiming and the blocking roads, but the spreading of the virus. And now that we see the incontrovertible timing and age demographic tracing the spread back to the riots, they ignore it and say, you and I are at fault. And at a time when we need to lock down the border, they have access to the courts to come here, to demand rights to come here, spread the virus, use up our hospitals with serious cases. And you have criminal aliens participating in the rioting, spreading the virus, rioting, committing crimes as an illegal alien, and they get a stay of deportation. This is the America we now live in. It's time for us to fight back. Tomorrow we'll do a special July 4th show because I'm going to be out Friday. We need to pray. We need to strategize. But again, I think it starts at a local level with community, neighborhood, militias to push back, not to attack, all defensive for self-defense. I think that is the way that we're going to start creating our own autonomous zones, our own freedom sanctuaries. The ideas are budding in my mind, but I need your help. You can email me, dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at Conservative. Join our Facebook pages, our public page, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary, our private page. You could request an invite, minimum speakeasy. Folks, let's get organized and let's fight back. Fight back.